0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, September the 9th, 2022. It is currently 11.02 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. And from these studios or the studio, should I say studios or should I say studio? Coming to you live from the Theology Central studio, because I mean, I guess anywhere in the house could be a studio. So is it multiple studios? Well, however, I should say that, I, I just realized that I've been using plural studios, but it's really the studio. So from the Theology Central studio, located right here in Abilene, Texas. You may not be aware of this, but I think it's pretty cool, right? Because I'm a no one who lives in the middle of nowhere. But from this makeshift studio, we are currently broadcasting live on all of the following platforms and locations. Are you ready? The YouVersion Bible app. We are currently broadcasting live from the YouVersion Bible app. I'm opening up the YouVersion Bible app. I'm going to events. Now for me it's going to look for all the live events going on in the local area. But if you so if you live in a different area you would have to type in theology central but you will find us. And if you look right there it says we're live and if I go down it says listen here. I click on that. Neap. And listen, U
0: Version Bible app.
1: I'm opening up the YouVersion There we go. We're live on the U Version Bible app. Now that's pretty significant since that app is used by about, I don't know, five million people. So that's 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 pretty significant. Because again, I'm a no-one coming to you from nowhere from these makeshift, the makeshift studio. I keep wanting to say studios, but the Theology Central studio here in Abilene, Texas. So we're coming to you live on the U Version Bible app. We're coming to you live on the Church1 app. Church1 app. Here that's, we. Th- that's that's pretty There we go. We're coming to you live from the Church1 app. Oh yes, we are also broadcasting live on Sermons2.0 app. So we are live on the YouVersion Bible app. We're live on the Church1 app. We're live on a uh, Sermons2.0 app. Also, we're live at theologycentral.net. Also, we are live, I think, at the Victory Baptist Church website. We're also live there. And also, we are live on the Spreaker app. So that's a lot of different platforms that we're currently broadcasting live on, all from this makeshift studio here in Abilene, Texas. That's pretty awesome. That's one of the wonderful things about technology today is maybe before the only people who could have a microphone You know, it was a select few. They had the microphone, they could speak, and the people would listen. But because of technology, now anyone can speak. That's a good thing. Could also be a bad thing, right? Because with more voices, especially from a theological, biblical perspective, look, from a freedom of speech perspective, I love that. I want people to be able to say whatever they want to say, no matter how much I agree or disagree. But from a theological perspective, more voices, more microphones, more platforms, more podcasts. Well, there's a danger there. And the danger is not all of those voices are going to be saying things that are biblical. Not all of those voices are going to be saying things that are theologically correct. They're going to be saying things that are unbiblical, not theologically correct, that goes against historical biblical Christianity that is problematic, if not downright heresy. And that is just the reality of it. Now, I... Do not, and I've tried my very best, I don't want to become one of those ministries where all I do is turn on the microphone to criticize and critique and analyze what everyone else is doing. There's times you have to do that, right? There's times you have to turn on the microphone and go, what is this? And what is going on here? Because we need to keep an eye. That's why we have a series called Eye on Christianity, or at least keep an eye on what's going on in the world of Christianity and we talk about what's being preached from the pulpit, what's happening on Christian podcasts, and we we do that. But I don't want to spend all of my time doing that. So that's why we also have a podcast series called Bible Study Exercise, where the goal here is to get people to actually engage in meaningful, serious, in-depth Bible study. And then, of course, we have our sermons and all, I mean, I mean about a thousand episodes a year. So we produce a lot of content, but I don't want it to just become, you know, well, listen to everyone else and criticize everyone else. But there are times you have to do that because, again, just I, I'm a no one. And let's go through all those places we're broadcasting live on right now. The YouVersion Bible app, the Sermons uh, uh, Sermons 2.0 app, the Church One app, the uh, Spreaker, TheologyCentral.net, the VBC website. I probably missed uh, another place that we're broadcasting live from. Lots of different locations. And I'm a no one. Well, people who are a someone, people who have money, people who have fame and notoriety, people who have some level of Christian celebrity, well, they have opportunities to be live and to be heard on thousands upon hundreds of thousands of platforms. The problem is there are times that what's being said is majorly problematic. Case in point. Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn wrote the book The Harbinger. I think he wrote the book The Harbinger part. Two. He wrote a number of books, okay, all about dealing with biblical prophecy. And look, it would be foolish for me to say that those books did not become extremely popular and that Jonathan Kahn does not have a lot of influence in the evangelical world. To deny that would just be foolish. To deny that would be irresponsible. He has a platform, he has a voice, and that voice is influential within the Christian world. I would just argue that even though he has a voice, even though he has popularity, even though he has celebrity, even though he has position, even though he has platforms, even though he has a lot of things, I just believe his voice is unbiblical, his hermeneutic is horrific, and that everyone should be warned about Jonathan Cahn. Now I know in some ways this warning seems a little bit dated. Now I've talked about Jonathan Cahn many times in the past, but I it seems weird that we're talking about Jonathan Cahn September 2022. I I don't know because his name to fame really has a lot to do with September the 11th, 2001. Right, so maybe it's a perfect time to be speaking about Jonathan Cahn. Right, the harbinger 9/11. Isaiah, right? I mean, you if you if you know everything about Jonathan Kahn, you know how all of that is connected. So maybe that maybe September the 9th, 2022 is a good time to once again mention Jonathan Kahn, but let me remind you why we are doing this. Because it was not something I was looking to do. It was one of those, well, some would just say random chance, which I, re- I reject. So somehow in God's providence, <laughs> Jonathan Khan's name was put right before me again, and here's what happened. I grabbed my iPad, like I do every day, and I, I subscribe to thousands of podcasts. And one of the podcasts I subscribe to is Christ in Prophecy from Lamb and Lion Ministries. And all of a sudden, I get a notification from the Overcast podcast app. Of all my podcast apps, this is the only one I received this notification. And it says, Jonathan Kahn and his books. And I'm like, whoa. And I hit play, boom. And they mentioned the Harbinger and they mentioned a a new book. And I'm like, wait, he's written a new book. Where have I been? What's going on? So I'm like, I've got to listen to this episode. I said, I know what I'll do. I'll grab the episode and we'll talk about it on a podcast episode. So I went looking for it. I could not find the episode anywhere other than on, well, other than the notification on the Overcast podcast app. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Why why am I getting a notification? But I cannot find the episode. It was so bizarre. So a little bit of research, a little bit of research. So my research took me through all of the Christ and Prophecy podcast episodes for 2022, did not find it. All of the podcast episodes for Christ and Prophecy 2021 still did not find it. 2020 still did not find it. 2019, I know what you're thinking. At this point, you would have given up. Well, I thought about giving up at this point, but I'm like, it's got to be somewhere. I went through all the episodes of 2018, not listening to them, but just searching them. 2017, 2016, and then I get to 2015. I'm like, there it is. I'm like, what in the world? Why is this showing up? I still have no explanation for why it showed up, but that turned into well me doing a podcast episode in regards to that 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 episode from Christ and Prophecy podcast. So I then realized, wait a minute, I've done other episodes about Jonathan Kahn. So we've created a series on Jonathan Kahn. If you go to the Church One app and look up series, that's Church One, download the app, search for Theology Central, choose us as your Chosen Broadcaster. It basically becomes our app. If you'll if you'll go to the Church One app and go down to series, well, the top one is going to be Jonathan Kahn. And right now, there are three messages in there. Jonathan Kahn on his books. Jonathan Kahn, The Retor- Return Part 1 and Part 2. And I think that's from the Glenn Beck radio program, which already should tell you there's some problems since Glenn Beck is a Mormon. And well, okay, we could have a whole discussion about all of that. So, so what I decided to do, since we've already kind of created a series, I would continue to do a little bit of work on Jonathan Kahn today. It, it wasn't my first priority, but I thought I would continue. And it just fits perfectly because we're we're broadcasting on so many different platforms. Speaking about Jonathan Kahn just fits with that opening illustration, right? I'm on all of these platforms and I'm a no one. Jonathan Kahn is on, on millions, uh, thousands of platforms, and he's a someone, but just because there's so much available, so many voices coming at you, you have to learn discernment to know what maybe what is true and what is false. So I just think because of Jonathan Kahn's influence that we should continue to do a couple of episodes in regards to him. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to Jonathan Khan. I believe this is from a Bible conference. It's from Christ and Prophecy podcast, but I think they play audio from a conference. And if I remember correctly, this conference happened in 2018. So we listened to a little bit of Jonathan Khan in 2015. Now we'll j- jump to 2018, just adding some historical context. And I, I don't know where the series is going to go, but that's kind of what we are doing. But I do want to give you a very important tool. And I think this is very important, all right? Um, I, would, I would challenge you to do this if you have, a, if you have the ability right now. Um, if you have the ability, give me one second. I'm refreshing something. Okay, I wanted to make sure we're live on that platform. Um, if you uh, go to, if you have a phone, tablet, computer, if you'll type in in the search bar in your web browser, listen, listennotes.com, listennotes.com. And listennotes.com will provide you the best podcast search engine you could ever find. You name a subject, you just come up with a subject and you search for it, you'll find all the podcasts that are out there that deals with that subject. Everyone should be using listennotes.com. Whatever, you're just sitting there one day and there's a a topic that's interesting to you. Just go to listennotes.com, do a search for it. So let's just play along here. Let's type in Jonathan Kahn. Let's type in Jonathan Kahn. And what shows up? Well, immediately I start getting all kinds of episodes with Jonathan Khan. And here's what's interesting. Most of these podcasts obviously come right to us from the evangelical world. And you can just look at them and guess what? It's very pro-Jonathan Cahn. Very much promoting him. Prom- Jonathan Cahn, Jonathan Cahn, Jonathan Cahn, Jonathan Cahn. So I'm going down here. There are literally 10, who knows how many, I don't know how many total uh, podcast uh, episodes come up here. But there's at least... 1,010, 1,010 results show up for searching for Jonathan Cahn on listen notes. That means there are probably a 1,000 podcasts dealing with him, which is all all these are individual episodes. So that that gives you plenty to listen to. But I was going through these lists, and guess what I found? Almost all of these come from the evangelical world, and it's very much pro-Jonathan Cahn, pro-Jonathan Cahn, pro-Jonathan Cahn, pro-Jonathan Cahn. The first negative that I get in regards to Jonathan Cahn, I'm looking here. The first one, because all of these are like, boom, pro-Jonathan Cahn, pro-Jonathan Cahn. The first one, where is it? It's it's down here. I've got to go pages down here. I'm on page four now. Page four. Jonathan Kahn was on Coast to Coast AM. I didn't even realize. I didn't. That's funny. Okay, uh, Jonathan Cahn, you see here, all of these pro, 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 not not any criticism coming to about him from the evangelical world. All of these are pro. Where is it? I finally get to one that is negative, but I, it's it's way far into this. I'm looking, I'm looking. Still nothing. Okay, it's got to be here somewhere. Still nothing. Where is it? I can't even find the negative one now. There is a... I'm up to page eight. I'm up to page eight. Still nothing. Where is it? There was a negative one. I know I saw it. I'm nine pages in. These are all from the evangelical world, like Jonathan Cahn, Jonathan Cahn, Jonathan Cahn. Like... He's the greatest thing in the history of the world. All, none of these. The one I did find that was negative, I was just going to find it for you so that I could actually, you know, prove it. But the point is, I don't know how long I'm going to have to look through these because I'm up to page 10 now. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Jonathan Kahn. This is at the very bottom of page 10. Jonathan Kahn selling fear and sensationalistic claims. Now, guess what? That does not come to us from an orthodox, from a, that does not come to us from an evangelical, you know, even a reformed uh, podcast. No, this comes to us from a Greek Orthodox podcast. (laughs) So we have to look to the Greek Orthodox Church to say, hey, this whole Jonathan Cahn and his books, he's selling fear and sensationalistic claims. That right there tells you something. See, that's why sometimes you have to turn on the microphone and go, hey, guys, there's there's a problem here. And it's not to be condescending or judgmental. It's to just say, look, and, and I've had other Christians tell me that they've had Christian friends who were greatly influenced by the book. And I've, I've just witnessed it over the book, The Harbinger. I don't know about how many of the other books have been as influential, but Christians buy it. And it just seems within the evangelical world. They just eat this stuff up. No matter how fear-based, sensational the claims are, how unbiblical, and how questionable the hermeneutic, there's a market for this in the evangelical world. And we could ask ourselves why, we could go lots of of different discussions, uh, directions with that discussion, and maybe we will at some point. But I don't want to, I've already spent 17 minutes just trying to get to all of this. But I just wanted you to see that—well, first I want you to know about Listen Notes so that you can search for yourself whenever there's any topic you want to see what's going on in the podcast world, what the podcast world is saying about it. But this just shows you his influence and how much he's being promoted. So we're going to go to 2018, hear what Christ and Prophecy from Lemon Line Ministries, what they had to say in regards to Jonathan Kahn and what he supposedly said at a Bible conference in 2018. Here we go.
0: Jonathan Cahn has emerged recently as one of God's most powerful prophetic voices calling this nation to repentance and warning us of judgment and destruction if we refuse to repent. At our 2018 Bible conference he spoke about a fascinating biblical blueprint that is unfolding in our nation today. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents... Uh,
1: please know, obviously, very, very pro, very pro Jonathan Kahn. very pro, right? Anointed, and he's found this he, he interesting biblical blueprint for America that is emerging. And this was back in 2018. So let's see what we find out here. Here we go.
0: Christ in Prophecy. A program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. The theme of our 2018 Bible Conference was God's Prophetic Voices to America. At the conference we featured several of the prophetic voices that were mentioned in the book that I wrote with the same title. One of those voices was Jonathan Kahn, best-selling author and rabbi of a Messianic congregation in Wayne, New Jersey. During his presentation he revealed a biblical blueprint for what is happening in our nation today. Here now is Rabbi Jonathan Kahn.
2: Shalom. No, I'm sorry, I'm in Texas. That's, that's wrong. Shalom, y'all. There are rule books I have here. I bring you greetings from the promised land, New Jersey. I flew in. Listen, it's my honor to be here. Um, I'm flying out after this, but I'll, I'll meet you afterwards. But I wanted to do that, of course, to minister, but to also honor. Dave Reagan, who has been serving the Lord and the purposes of God for so many years, in season, out of season, a faithful servant of God. And so it's, it's my honor to be here. It is written, the sons of Issachar knew the times and they knew what Israel should do. Elijah knew the times in which he lived, thus he knew what he was
1: to do. Paul, I'll stop right there. Just, I, I always find it interesting because, because I, I, you know, I try to pay attention to what's going on in the world of Christianity, and there are times that someone will rise to some great level of fame, notoriety, celebrity within the Christian world, and I'll listen, and I just won't get it. I'll be like, "What? Why is this person?" like the new flavor of the month? Why is everyone just falling over themselves about it? Like, I don't get it. Like, sometimes I just don't understand. But you listen to Jonathan Cahn speak. I mean, he is engaging. There's something about his style. There's something about his speaking that you are, that you can at least understand from a purely human fleshly standpoint okay, I can see why he can attract a crowd. I can see why people would listen. I can see why pay, people would pay money to get into a conference to hear. Now, I, I, I'm not going to go through my whole spill about the, ever. this is what I get tired of. I'm tired of Christians complaining about Christian this Christian celebrity culture, yet turn around and, and support the very thing that promotes that culture. When people pay money, To walk into a church or a building simply to hear people preach the word of God. You, you are a part of the problem, not the solution. If you're tired of Christian celebrity culture, then stop having people pay money to get into a building to hear someone preach the word of God because the preaching of the word of God should be free. You shouldn't be paying money to get in. And you know what you're paying money to get into? I don't think you're paying money to hear the preaching of God's word. You're paying money to see your favorite Christian celebrity. That, that's, but that's, oh, I don't know if they were charging for this particular conference, but in my experience, most of Christian conferences do charge money so that you can hear someone preach to you. Yeah, you, if, if Christians, I wish, I don't know how Christians don't go, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Yeah, something's terribly wrong, but here we go. Let's see what he had to say in 2018.
2: All knew the times in which he lived and thus he fulfilled his calling. It is crucial That the body of Messiah know the times in which it exists, that it might know, that we might know what we are to do in God. It's crucial. These are critical times. These are pivotal times. These are prophetic times. Even in this last year, prophetic events. The ground is shifting beneath our feet. We're witnessing the greatest, most massive cultural, moral, spiritual, civilizational transformation in history... People are saying what is going on as if it's out of control, but.
1: Once again, I just have to be fair uh, because I feel like I've heard the same thing. Since I became a Christian in the 1980s as a teenager, the, everything's going crazy. That things are changing. The world's falling like every, every time, you know. You know, in 20 in in the 80s, you know, we were going to be nuked by Russia, and 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 you know, this is it, and this is biblical prophecy in the war. And then in, in the early 1990s, when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, that's it. This is the the restoration of Babylon, and and all. And then Obama was, you know, we were all going to be marked with the mark of the beast because of his health care. Plan and end up in FEMA camps. I mean, every time I turn around within the biblical prophetic world, it's always like, this is it. Everything is changing, but pay attention. And it, it's like, you know, scare everyone to death that this is it, you know, and everyone says, yes, this is it. And then, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later. I mean, here's the one thing you can always say. And this is somewhat, this is so manipulative. Things are changing at a rapid pace. Culture is changing. It has always been changing. It always will be changing. Culture will always evolve as one generation leaves the sphere of influence. A new generation arises with with their influence, and they almost always go in a different direction than the previous generation. That's that whole generational gap. And uh, the new generation will go in a different direction than the previous generation. There's always going to be cultural shift happening. Sometimes it may be very intense and, quote unquote, severe that it's, it's so obvious. And maybe other times it's more subtle, but it's always happening. It's always happening. You can go back to the, quote unquote, the 1940s. Until Elvis is shaking his pelvis and everyone's losing their minds. You go from Elvis to, then you have the, the, the quote-unquote, the hippie movement of the 60s. And then from that from the free love in the 60s to all of a sudden disco in the 70s. I'm using music, music touch points and, and milestones because I, I can speak more authoritative in regards to that. But you have these major cultural shifts. They happen. They always will happen. It's it's like the, it, things just continue as they've always continued, right? And then the eighties, all of a sudden, MTV and hair bands, and I'm like what's up? And then, and then the emergence of rap, and then every every uh, it's all. And I'm just using musical evolution and change because that always everyone like, loses their minds and says this is the end, or it's the end of the world that we're all falling apart. But then the next generation comes along. The next generation come, comes along. I'm not saying we shouldn't pay attention to what's happening. I just think some within the evangelical world takes this just fact that happens every generation and they use it ultimately for their own, I, I, I think their own advancement and profit, but I that maybe I'm too cynical.
2: Imagine if they discovered a master blueprint That was behind everything that is happening right now. A blueprint from over two and a half thousand years ago reveals the events of our times. Not only what is to happen, what has happened, but pinpoints when. The year, in some cases the month, the week, in some cases the day, even down to the minute. Imagine if it revealed the events of our times. The the people of our times, who is on the national stage, how long they will have on the stage... And behind each of the leaders, there is an ancient blueprint
1: that. Don't you wish you had a blueprint that told you exactly what was happening down to the day, down to the minute. Don't you wish you had that? And of course, Christians, yes, I want to know that blueprint. I want to know what. uh, not just Christians, non-Christians. The world loves this concept that there's this some hidden secret knowledge that if we can unpack and if we can figure it out and if we can interpret it boom, boom, ba, boom, we can understand what's going down to the day, to the minute, to the second. And what, I'm, what I always find fascinating is usually we don't discover this secret code to what's going to happen to the day, the second, and the minute, or to the day, the minute, the second, until after the events happen. The events happen, and then we're like, look, was prophesied right here in Isaiah. It was there the whole time. Isn't it amazing that we find it after the fact? We don't seem to do very good in finding it before the fact. So what's the significance of finding it after the fact? I don't know. But everyone loves that idea. And and someone this morning, we were talking in regards to this, someone mentioned like it's almost like a modern form of Gnosticism. Secret knowledge. Everybody wants that secret knowledge, that secret knowledge. Now, the problem is what Christians point to to find a secret knowledge is that we have to unlock the code in the Bible. We have to unlock some unique interpretive method to find the code. And well, that's where they begin to destroy the text begin to not rightly divide the text, and abandon all basic logic when it comes to biblical hermeneutics. and That's where I get frustrated, but who knows? Now, everything he's saying here sounds just like what he was saying in 2015 about the harbinger, so I'm assuming this is just in 2018 he was repackaging the same message, I'm assuming, but maybe he found some blueprint that goes beyond what was in the harbinger. We will see.
2: They are following without realizing it. What if it revealed... The outcome of the future. What if we were replaying this? What if God is warning? If we could open up the blueprint, what would it tell us? What keys would it give? What warning would it give to us? Well, the paradigm, this is what this blueprint is, or I called it, the paradigm concerns a revelation very much linked to the harbinger. I didn't plan on writing it like the harbinger. It just came rapidly. In fact, it intersects with the revelation and warning of the harbinger. The harbinger, for those who don't know, reveals the prophetic signs from ancient times that are warning America, appeared in the last days of ancient Israel, are now reappearing around us. It is still moving forward. Now, the, the paradigm is saying that everything is part of this, not just the signs, but everything. Now, I want to say before I, I start it, It is so explosive, I have to say this, it does name names, but remember we have no enemies, we must oppose what is evil, we must pray for those who commit evil. Anything else is sin. Number two, this is...
1: I wish, I wish I had the, I don't know what you would call, the boldness. I wish I had the boldness. To be able to turn on the microphone and go, what I'm about to give you today is so explosive. I wish I could just turn on the microphone and have a little bit of self-promotion. I wish I could pull that off. Maybe my podcast would even be more successful. I mean, we've we've done pretty good. But I mean, if I could just turn on the microphone, what you're about to hear is going to change your life. What you're about to hear is so explosive. And if I could, maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But I just find it interesting just how grandiose, the, the self-promotion is here, because he's the one who found it. Now, he may say God revealed it to him, but he, but God revealed it to him. So, even if he says God revealed it to him, that's just a false humility, because he's like, I'm the one God gave it to, and I'm going to give you this message that's so explosive by my book. Okay, that's typically the way it goes, but let's let's see where this goes. So, this is not the harbinger. I guess he's calling it the paradigm, the paradigm. Now, I haven't followed. Look, I, I, my whole interaction with Jonathan Cahn is I opened up the Harbinger and was like, "What is this garbage?" Okay, well, clearly, no one's going to care about this because this is insane, and moved on with my life. And the next thing, I'm like, "Wait, wait, what happened?" Everyone thinks it's the greatest book in the world, so I addressed it here or there, but I really thought, I, "Move on." But I, so I miss the paradigm. So I, I, I know the 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 Harbinger. I missed the paradigm. So maybe I'm getting ready to hear something that I missed in 2018, the paradigm. What, I, I'm assuming that's what he's calling this. So let's see. Here we go.
2: If you came here for political correctness, you came to the wrong seminar. <laughs> but we have to be eternally correct so we can hear from God. What I'm going to share here in this begins with the ancient nation of Israel, a nation that had known God. Drove God out of its public square. Called what was evil good and what was good evil. Promoted immorality. Promoted sexual immorality. Embraced false gods and idols. Chief among them the God called Baal or we know him as Baal. He was the God that promised them prosperity. And, and, the, and to prosper the works of their hands. But his worship involved priests and priestesses engaged in sexual immorality. Sex was taken out of the bonds of marriage and put on public display. Marriage was degraded in the wake of a sexual revolution. Popular culture became sexualized. Some of Baal's priests were called the Kaddashem. They were male prostitutes. His worship involved the confusion of gender Baal had his altars. He required a price to be paid for prosperity. They were to offer up his ch- their children on his altars. They would approach the brazen altar, place their child in the metal arms of their God, then release their child to the flames. And the Bible records because of that, God would bring judgment.
1: Just so that you know, there is some scholarly debate On exactly when it says offered their child by fire, there's some scholarly debate exactly what was happening there. We may have to do a podcast episode about that because preachers love the image of of one way, but there's some scholars that have biblical scholars who are like, uh see exactly how did this work, right? So I'm not saying it's not horrific. It may be absolutely as horrible as everyone thinks that it is. I just want you to know that there may be some of those who have questioned it. Maybe they're wrong in questioning it. And maybe we, we need to pursue that. It's just, whenever you deal with these issues, you got to at least let people know that there may be a counter point to it maybe. And we will see. I just, I just have to throw that out there because we've talked about it. I know I've talked about it before, but okay. So, ancient Israel was bad. They did bad things. Let me I will just say this. All nations are bad and have done bad things. Can you find like can you find me a nation who hasn't been bad and done bad things? You know why? All nations are bad and have done bad things because nations are made up of people. And you know what people are? They are sinners. You know how they are sinners? Not because they've sinned, because they are sinners by nature. And you know what natural sinners do? They sin because it is natural. And guess what? That sin shows up in cities and states and nations. And guess where else it shows up? Inside the church. So I, I just he can he can point out all these specific things and try to connect them to America. You could connect them to any nation because all of these problems in Israel were the problems in every nation to some extent. We're all the same when it comes to our depravity and how that depravity manifests itself.
2: That was the metamorphosis that overtook this ancient nation. Well, there is one other nation that was also founded at its, at its inception on the word and will of God, and that nation was America. America was founded after the pattern of ancient Israel.
1: All right, now we can get to this whole discussion about America being founded on the word and the will of God. On one hand, every nation founded, you could say, is founded under the will of God because all things work according to his goodwill and pleasure, right? I mean, I mean, we have to at least acknowledge that, right? I mean, if God is sovereign and if all things happen according to His decree, according to to providence, according, and that He's working all things to His good pleasure and will, then every nation was founded according to the will of God, right? I I, I think we would have to at least consider that.
2: But America, like ancient Israel, is also undergoing the same metamorphosis, turning against the God of its foundation. Likewise, we have been driving God out of the public square, calling what was evil good and what is good evil. We have promoted sexual morality all over the world. We have embraced our own idols. We would never speak it as this, but we also have followed the spirit of Baal. Serving the God of increase, gain, prosperity. And as with Israel, that brings about then a sexual revolution. Marriage, we have taken it out of the marital bed and put it on display. And we have also called sexual immorality something treated as if it was holy. And as with Israel, we have also embraced a confusion of gender. And as with Israel's worship of Baal... There has come an offering of children. We will never call it that. But Israel offered up thousands. We have offered up millions of our unborn through a different fire. But in the fall of ancient Israel, there came a period where it accelerated. Where pagan immorality became the ruling morality of the land. It was endorsed now from the palace. The nation experienced a culture war. In America, we have also seen an acceleration in this apostasy. And where an anti-biblical morality has become the ruling morality. And for the first time it's been championed from the highest places in our culture. In the paradigm, the culture war is inaugurated with the rise of a king named Ahab. We know him as Ahab. He's divided. He's compromised. He knows of God, but he wars against him. He's the first king in Israel's history to champion the worship of Baal, meaning child sacrifice and sexual immorality and the overturning of biblical values. So, too, in America, we had a culture war. It was coined with the rise of a man that we know as Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is not about what—not about the man, not about what he knows or know, or does not. But Bill Clinton will follow the paradigm of Ahab. He will be a man divided, brought up in the Bible Belt, yet warring against the, the the morals of God. He's compromised. Ahab was the first king to champion the the offering up of children. Bill Clinton was the first president to champion the offering up of children in abortion. He became the first president. His link, his his time in office was linked to sexual immorality. As Ahab sought to redefine biblical values, Bill Clinton would make a statement saying we are redefining the unchanging values that have guided us from the beginning. In a chapter in the book called The Days of the King, the question asks: how long was Bill Clinton on the national stage? When did his rise to power begin? began when he became governor of Arkansas. That was the January 1979. It ended with the end of his presidency, January 2001. How many years of Bill Clinton? 22 years of Bill Clinton. In First Kings, it is written, Ahab, son of Omri, reigned in Samaria for a period of 22 years. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we found a president that uh, that his total time in office, even though that's not all the time of being president, but because he was in office, it's likened to Ahab being king. And so both were 22 years. And so... Oh, it's I love these just arbitrary connections. These just arbitrary. Like here you go. look and everybody and Christians are like writing it down in their notes. ooh, ooh. yeah. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. That was that was that was it. That was it. It's, it's, all this kind of stuff is just so hilarious to me uh, how it works in the Christian world. But OK, let's see where he goes. All right.
2: The years of Bill Clinton follow the years of King Ahab. But Ahab wasn't alone, and neither was Bill Clinton. In the chapter in the paradigm, it's called The Queen. A new figure enters the stage. Again, it's not about the person. It's a sign. Her name is Isabel. We know her as Jezebel. She grows up in a cosmopolitan culture, liberal values. She's the daughter of the priest of the goddess Astarte. She worships female power. She will marry Ahab, move to his land. She will adopt, never adopt the values of Israel. She'll see conservative values as something to be warred against. She will incite her husband to do the same. Hillary Clinton will follow the paradigm of Isabel, the ancient queen, without knowing it. According to the paradigm, she grows up in a cosmopolitan culture, Chicago. She venerates female power. She marries Bill Clinton, moves to the Bible Belt, never adopts traditional values. She sees those values as something to be warred against. She will. She, as Jezebel made her goal to be to turn over the deep-seated religious beliefs of Israel for the worship of Baal, Hillary Clinton would actually make this statement. She said, deep-seated religious beliefs have to be changed. Why? So that abortion can expand. As Jezebel became the chief advocate of child sacrifice, Hillary Clinton has become the chief advocate of abortion in America. In fact, it's not opinion. Planned Parenthood voted her the abortion champion, not of the year, not of the decade, of the century. Together, the two would advocate, we're not saying they know what they're doing, but they would advocate against biblical values, even for partial birth abortion, and also to what would lead to the overturning of marriage later on. Of the two, it was Ahab who wavered back and forth, so Bill Clinton. It was Jezebel who was seen as the harder, the harsher one, so Hillary Clinton. The paradigm reveals secrets in high places. Jezebel, it says, she brought the priests of Baal and the gods of Phoenicia, the 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 male and female gods, into the palace. Well, it would seem impossible that that could ever happen in America. Now, I'm not going into detail. We don't have time, but it's revealed in the book. chapter called The Goddess. The First Lady and the President actually consulted with those who are called priestesses, New Age High Priestesses, and the First Lady brought this High Priestess literally.
1: (laughs) Wait a minute. Okay. Oh, man. I just just have to look at something because I grew up in the 80s, so I got to check something because I could be wrong. I gotta be I gotta I, I could be wrong, but so I'm not gonna say anything. Uh I gotta see here. Hang on, give me gimme. Give I gotta I got uh I got to uh, I gotta look at this because Okay. This is 2017. Ronald Reagan actually used this San Francisco astrologist to make presidential decisions. Ronald Reagan consulted astrologist astrology to make presidential decisions. I, I would like, I would, just like that. Wait a minute. We're going to go after the Clintons. Let's go after some Republicans, right? Like, like, oh, we're going to forget. We're going to forget that. I, I, if I remember correctly, it was pretty controversial. The Christian singer, he kind of his his stardom kind of crashed because he spoke out very harshly against the Christian music industry, Steve Camp, who I think now has become far more political, but Steve Camp had an album I believe called Justice, and I believe on that album he had a song referencing the Reagan's consulting of astrology and condemned it. Jonathan Kahn is only going to look at The Clintons, somehow the paradigm revealed the Clintons. Now, of course, he doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't, nobody caught on to this until after the Clintons. And then we go back to the Bible and then read these things back into the Bible and try to find, oh, there's similarities. There's similarities. One's a man, one's a woman, one's this. And, and oh, look, 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 22 years. It just, well, how is this Bible study? How is this, this is just looking at things and trying to read them back into the text so that we can say the text revealed them. No, we place them in the Bible. I don't know. This is not studying the text. This is not biblical preaching. This is not biblical teaching. This is just insanity. But this is what's, Christians love this kind of stuff. They eat this kind of stuff up. I don't know why. Why? But OK, let's continue. I just I just think it's funny he's going to go after them and supposedly who they consulted. But I guess Ronald Reagan and them consulting astrologists, you know, oh, Republicans, when Republicans do it, it was probably godly. And, and, and you're going to talk about the, the morality of Clinton. I don't know. Do we speak of the morality of Donald Trump? I, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, what do I know?
2: into the White House. And literally, the woman wrote a book at the time advocating goddess worship and mentioned the goddess that Jezebel worshipped. It all happened in the White House. We'll not go into it. But now, moving on. The days of the king and queen were not just of apostasy. They were also days of scandal. Well, so too were the Clinton years. It's written that Ahab coveted a vineyard of a man named Naboth. Naboth wouldn't give it up. So Jezebel came up with a plan, had him falsely accused and killed. Ahab goes to the vineyard to take it. As he goes there, he finds a surprise. Elijah's waiting for him. Elijah exposes the sin and tells him judgment will come and will come. The end of your reign will come. And so therefore, in the same way, the Clinton years are defined by scandal. There will be a scandal that will break out, several, but the one that will mark his presidency forever will lead to his impeachment. was a scandal also of coveting, taking what was not his, breaking the Ten Commandments, the Lewinsky scandal. The fall of Ahab was linked to the tribe of Levi. won't go into it, but it's linked to the tribe of Levi. Began as he broke the Levitical laws and ended in the city of the Levites when he was killed. Could a modern presidential scandal actually be linked to the ancient tribe of Levi? From the name Levi comes the name Levin from Levin comes Lewin from Lewin comes the name Lewinsky. The name that-
1: <laughs> Oh my. Oh my goodness. Okay, I I how do you even respond to that? Levi, Levin, Lynn Lewinsky. How how do you like oh my goodness and and Christians think that this is the most anointed man of biblical prophecy this is one we need to listen to this is not biblical preaching i want everyone to understand there's nothing biblical about he just just randomly connecting <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying to be respectful, but what in the, okay, let's just keep listening.
2: The very name of the scandal comes from the name Levi, same tribe linked to the fall of Ahab. What does the biblical paradigm say? When was the, the, the sins of the king exposed? Happens in the 19th year of the king, Ahab. What happens if we take Clinton when he came on the national stage, 979 ad, 19 year, his 19th year on the stage was 1998, the year of the scandal. Actually, it leads you to the month January, and that's the exact month of the scandal. But it's going to get more mind-boggling than that. Because the paradigm reveals something else. In the midst of the scandal, when Elijah rebukes Ahab, Ahab repents. At least for a time, probably on the surface, but he does. And God says, because he repented, I'm going to delay the calamities. I'm going to delay it all. It will be held off. It will still come on the nation, but it's going to be delayed. And so how long? Three years. Three years. So you got the king's repentance of the scandal, three years, and then a calamity. Did Bill Clinton ever repent? over the sins of the scandal. Well, the answer, first he denied it. He denied it for months. But then finally he did. Happened in the East Room of the White House. And he was in front of ministers. He said, I have sinned against God and man. I ask for forgiveness. He said, this is my repentance. So what happens if you take the date that it happened, the king's repentance, add three years of Ahab, of the paradigm, will it bring you to any significant date? If you take that exact day, add three years exactly, it leads you to the date, the date it leads you to is September 11th, 2001, the day of the calamity. If you take the king's repentance, Clinton happened in the morning, takes you to the morning of 9-11. It happened. the event began at 8: 30. The 9/ 11, the hour that it begins, 8: 30, within 15 minutes, it begins. The, the, the president repents from nine in between nine and 10 o'clock, peak of 9 11. And could the to the event in the White House actually, could it actually contain 9 11? Well, the event ends at 10:30 in the morning. to three years later, at the last part of 9 11, the Tower of the North Tower falls to the Earth. It's 10:29, then 10:30. it's all contained. If you had known and I didn't know, if I had known, if you had known this years before, you could have marked this on your calendar.
1: What happens next? Look, I would have to sit here and spend. I, this is the problem with this stuff. you got to sit there and try to. So he, he say the reign of Ahab was 22 years. So he uh, you like you have to expand it. OK, it's not the presidency. It's when he became governor. And you have to try to run all of these numbers. The problem with trying to cr- critique all of this, if you, you got to just try to go run all of this and go, does everything work? Does everything work? And typically, something somewhere isn't doesn't work near the way he he says it does. But the point is, is what? How is this biblical preaching? Hey, so we read the story of Ahab. It really was predicting, or really it was a sign, or, or to show us. Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, the Monica Lewinsky uh, scandal, and 9-11. But no one could see any of it beforehand. You, You know why we could not see it beforehand? Because it's not there. But now after the fact, you're like, here's the facts. Okay, here's, I need 22 years. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. Okay, how can I make it work? That's not studying the Bible. That's studying an event and then go figure out which event I can connect these to in the Bible. Why would this ever be allowed within biblical Christianity as anything other than just pure insanity? It's not hermeneutics. It's not. I don't know what this is. But like you. I mean, I've heard a lot of crazy things. But here we go
2: people think that Ahab ends and so does Jezebel. It's not what happened. What happens in the biblical paradigm is the king's reign comes to an end, but the queen goes on on the political stage. So according to the paradigm, Bill Clinton's reign comes to an end. Hillary Clinton, first time in in the history of America, goes on on her own political career. As did her ancient prototype Jezebel, she continues to dwell in the halls of power. And she dwells in the capital city. In 2008, Hillary Clinton seeks to become the ruler of the land, but in the paradigm, the throne goes to a younger man. He enters the paradigm. The chapter is called "The Heir." Barack Obama will follow the paradigm of King Joram. King Joram will continue the policies of Ahab and Jezebel. So Obama will continue the policies. Hillary Care becomes Obamacare. Abortion, uh, marriage, all that continues. But in that time, the reign of Joram is characterized by a hostility to the ways of God and the people of God. So in the years of Obama, America markedly turned away from God, and there was a distinct hostility from the highest places against religious conservatives. During the reign of Joram, Jezebel dwelt in the palace. So during the reign of Barack Obama, when he came to the White House, he comes with a former first lady, first time in American history. Barack Obama was unknown until that speech at the Democratic Convention. Keynote speech, launched his rise to power overnight. Overnight, he's spoken as a potential president. When did that happen? Happened in 2004. That's the beginning. He comes on the stage just like, like lightning. When did Obama, his time on the national stage end? His last year as president was 2016. 2004 to 2016 is 12 years, 12 years of Barack Obama. Of his ancient prototype, Second Kings, King Joram reigned in Samaria for a period of 12 years. Now the paradigm actually will reveal also, we'll speak of a figure who will be the prototype of Bin Laden, an enemy rises up, an arch enemy in the times of Ahab. And I won't go through it, but it actually give, it will give you the, the way he will be assassinated. It will give what he will do. It will, it will hit the assassination, it, it will ordain. It happens in the bedroom. And it will give the year. But if we don't have time for that. I want to move to the next part. When does the paradigm, well actually, when well, the paradigm reveals them of ancient Israel, what about America is, a, is here we are now. It's going to come up to right where we are. In ancient Israel, the nation comes to a crossroads. If the house of Ahab continues in power, it would have sealed the nation's apostasy. All, religious liberty would have been stamped out. The word of God would have been eliminated. The people of God would have been persecuted. So in America, we reached a similar crossroads. If the reign of anti-biblical leaders or leaders who had anti-biblical agendas continued, it would have sealed America's apostasy. Would have sealed the Supreme Court for a generation. Would have ended religious liberty. This was the campaign where Hillary Clinton actually proclaimed.
1: See, so Trump saved us. But then Trump lost and Biden came in. Did we we lose did we lose our religious liberty but I, I, I i've been told tell- i've been told now since the 80s i was going to lose my religious liberty i was not going to be able to go to church i was going to be persecuted my bible was going to be taken from me i think i've heard that now 50,000 times i'm not saying it's never going to happen i'm not i'm not i'm just going to say persecution is not going to come it's just anytime any little thing happens we scream persecution and we keep screaming it's coming it's coming i mean o- obama was supposed to take our guns make us all muslims and put us in fema camps and give us the mark of the beast through chipping, chipping us through his healthcare plan. Well, I made it through all of that. Not a Muslim. Nobody. I, well, I don't own a gun, but nobody asked about guns, and I still have my Bible. I, I mean, I mean, just all the warnings that you get. That, whatever. But okay. But 2018, oh, oh, Trump administration saved us from complete catastrophe. But Trump was voted out of office. Yes, he lost the election, and then. Biden took over. Okay, so what what happened? Because a lot of people said Biden was simply another, another um, presidency of Obama, that really Obama, it, it was going to be another Obama presidency. Well, then why didn't Obama reverse everything? I mean, like all of these just couldn't, it's just so conspiratorial in so many ways.
2: That your deep-seated religious beliefs have to be changed. This was the campaign when it brought the most brazen convention in the history of the Democratic Party, where they actually celebrated the killing of the unborn and vowed to strike down the Hyde Amendment so you would be directly funding the killing of babies. That was what was at stake in the last election. But in the ancient paradigm, there comes a surprise. A man who's revealed, he's revealed as the warrior. His name is Jehu. He will be the mystery behind the man you know as Donald Trump. Funny thing about Donald Trump, you just say his name and there's laughter. But I don't mean that in any way way or not, but there's kind of a release here. I wrote the Harbinger as a prophetic warning. Years before this past election, people didn't realize that I was led to include Donald Trump in there. I didn't name him, but he's there. You can find it. In 2 Kings chapter 9, it says the prophet Elisha, Sends a prophet to the army camp to meet a man named Jehu. He takes Jehu alone and he says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you to become king of Israel to war against the house of Ahab. The mystery of Donald Trump is found in Jehu. Donald Trump, as far as America is concerned, as far as Israel is concerned, you have Cyrus. As far as America, Jehu. Jehu was not a politician. Donald Trump was not a politician. Jehu was a fighter. Donald Trump's a fighter. He fights with everybody. Jehu was not a gentleman. Well, Jehu was kind of wild, kind of out of control. You never knew what he was going to do next. Do I have to say anything? Jehu would come on the national stage suddenly and shake up the status quo. So too would Donald Trump. Jehu would begin a race to the throne of Israel. Donald Trump will begin a race to the throne of America. Jehu had not lived a godly life. Neither had Donald Trump. But now this warrior is used to spite himself for God's purposes in this moment. Jehu mounts up his chariot, heads to the royal city. On the way, the watchman sees him come in, and he says, the driving is like that of Jehu, for he driveth furiously. Donald Trump, you want to describe his race? Well, the word in Hebrew is not just furious. The word in Hebrew is also crazy. He will drive. The driving of the race, the race to the throne is crazy. In fact, some of your Bibles say he driveth like a madman. Well, that was the race. Yet, Jehu gets there. In his rise to the throne, listen, Jehu, the warrior, will come head to head against the former first lady. But there will come a showdown at the end. The paradigm says, well, there, the F4, you have Donald Trump, you have Hillary Clinton, you got the warrior, you got this fighter, and then you got the former first lady head to head. Now, if you remember, all the polls were saying Hillary Clinton was going to trounce Donald Trump. But the ancient paradigm said something else it says, when the warrior comes against the former first lady, it will be the warrior who will emerge triumphant. Now, Jehu was also a judgment on King Joram's rule. There is a covenant that goes back 4,000 years. You know it because you love God here and you love prophecy. Whatever you do to the Jewish people shall be done to you. A year before the American election, there was an election in Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu was running for re-election. Obama intervened, if you remember. He sought to stop Netanyahu from being elected, trying to overturn his, his stand, everything. But he didn't he didn't, he didn't, he was not successful. Netanyahu, kind of like this last election, it was a surprise, he won. And all, it's funny because all the liberal media was, was celebrating that Netanyahu was over. And then all of a sudden it all went, CNN went blank, black, nothing, there was no reporting. Finally, Netanyahu said, listen, they're not gonna report it, I'll report it, I just won. <laughs> but the thing is, whatever you do, so here, get this. If you intervene in the election of the nation of Israel, God will intervene in the election in your land. And if you try to overturn the legacy of the leader of Israel, God will overturn your legacy. When the warrior defeats the former first lady, it happens in the nation's, they both are in the nation's chief northeastern city, so too Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, same city there. How long was Hillary Clinton in power. How long was she on the national stage? 22 years with her husband, first lady of Arkansas, then of America. After that, 12 years in government. She steps down for two years, comes back for two years to go forward to try to become president. So you put it together. 22 years with her husband, 14 years on her own political career. How long was Jezebel on the national stage? 22 years with her husband on her own, 14 years. The warrior then turns his attention to the capital city where he's got to go to become ruler of the land. So Donald Trump turns his attention to Washington. Jehu heads to the capital city with one agenda. What was that agenda? To drain the swamp. (laughs) Literally. I mean, if you look violently, Donald Trump heads there with the same agenda. On the way to the throne, Jehu meets a man named Jehonadab. Now, Jehonadab was a mystery guy.
1: This is just insane that this is a Bible prophecy conference. He's not preaching anything in the scripture. He's just trying to read. He's just trying to, here's things that happen. I'm gonna force them into the text. He's not expounding the text, exegeting the text, teaching the text. And even some of these numbers. He's like, well, well, I mean, Hillary, there was a two-year span here, but I gotta put this together and t- t- okay, now the numbers match. And again, he's just dogmatically asserting the numbers match because, you know, so many times when you get to the biblical numbers, you're like, well, wait a minute. How many years? Are we sure that that's how many years? Sometimes it's dogmatic. Sometimes it's not. But there, he's not, just remember, he's not proving any of these things. He's just throw, throwing them out, throwing them out, throwing. We're not looking up any scripture, nothing. He's just making assertions. And all of these assertions were discovered after the fact, not before the fact.
2: He's identified, though, in virtually every Bible commentary as a representative of the, the people of the land, the religious conservatives of the land. Amazingly, he meets with them. Donald Trump, on his way to, to the Capitol, meets with religious conservatives. What does is, what is Jehu do? Jehu basically says, Listen, I'm with you. Are you with me? What did Donald Trump do? What did he say to Christians? He said, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm for life. I'm for religious liberty. I'm for this. I'm for these values. Will you be with me? Jehonadab says yes, and he gets in the, the chariot with Jay, who and the two of them ride to the capital city. Well, so too. Most religious conservatives said yes, because they knew the alternative. And in the same way, actually, Donald Trump actually made a partnership with a literal man, Mike Pence, who's a born-again Christian. And who's very much like, he was a man like Jehoshaphat. John, John abstained from any appearance of evil, all that. And the two of them head to the capital city. If Donald Trump was not supported by Christians or by many of them, he would not be president. When did all these things take place? They all happened. The queen was defeated. Jehu took the throne all in the 12th year of Joram. Well, if you take that, you take the beginning of Joram, you take his rise to power in 2004, that takes you to 2016. That's exactly when it happened. Now, when Jehu gets to the capital city, he sets out first thing to dismantle the cult of Baal, the killing of children, that, and to take down the temple of Baal that Ahab had built in the capital. Jehu destroys the Temple of Baal. He dismantles the the cult of Baal. He cuts off government support. No more support for the killing of children. What did Donald Trump do? Despite, it doesn't matter who the person is. What did Donald Trump do? First thing he did was issue executive orders to overturn the pro-abortion orders of his predecessor.
1: There you have, I I don't even know what, I don't, at the end, there I just let it play because I don't know what else to say. I mean that—that that is just. What do you call that? Do you call it preaching? Do you call what do you call that? Allegorizing? What do you call that? Like I, I, what? What? So his point is: see, the Bible gave us all of it. The Bible gave us all—no, the, the Bible obviously didn't give us all of it because we would have been able to see all of that, but we didn't see all of that, To supposedly, after all of that. Now, supposedly, in the Harbinger, he predicted Trump, supposedly. I'd have to go find—I'm not going to go look it up and try to f- figure it out, but he doesn't give any—he he mentions numbers and dates without without any attempt to even try to um be— to support or prove anything. It's it's really crazy. I, I don't even know what to say, other than that's the man who has influenced so many Christians. A- and I and I think I I don't I don't know what other conclusion to come to. I, I don't think Christians really want to engage in meaningful Bible study and learn how to actually study the text and exegete the text. They like sensationalism. Crowd was eating that up. You almost heard them break out into applause a couple of times. And you could hear some gasp when he said, you know, how many years? Oh, I can't believe, you know, they were just eating it up. Every word. You can see why. Because Jonathan Kahn preaches in a very convincing, authoritative way. He's engaging. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Uh, wow, that's crazy. You can, I, well, you can probably find that. Well, you can find that episode there from of Christ and Prophecy, the podcast. Go to Listen Notes. Just type in Jonathan Kahn. Look up for uh, look. You're going to find uh, th- over a thousand uh, entries, but you can look for anyone that say the, any of them that say Christ and Prophecy, because it looks like Christ in Prophecy, Lamb and Prophecy, Lemon Line Ministries, have featured Jonathan Kahn numerous times. Jonathan Cahn's been on all kinds of Christian uh, programs. When I was going through some, I'm like, wait, Jonathan Cahn was on that program? Wait, that person promoted Jonathan Cahn? What is the w- world? I, look, for me, I never took it seriously. Obviously, I was wrong. Obviously, I should have just been like, nope, we're going to talk about Jonathan Cahn every day for the next 15 years. No, I'm glad I didn't because we have other things to do. But there you have it. We'll probably review a couple of more here or there. Um Yeah. I don't know what to say. You can give me your thoughts on, I don't, you can, you can give me your definition of what you think that is uh, because I don't know what that is, but you can give me your definition. Uh, Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at some point today or this evening. God bless.